You are listening to the Heart of Tradition podcast. Hello, everyone. We are going to talk about something today which um, has a really interesting word that as soon as you hear the word, you're like, oh, that sounds pretty awful. So endocrine disruptors, which are well spoken of, uh, well, not well spoken of, what what I want to say here. Um, They're a big subject of discussion in France, where I was living for a long time. They're not as big of a discussion here. Um, There was even a famous speech by the president, um, Macron or whatever, which doesn't mean I like the president. It just means that, you know, this just shows where their temperature is on this. And uh, he mentioned the end of word endocrine disruptor 61 times in the speech. So there is a little more consciousness around this thing. Europe is much more svelte, uh, less obese, uh, in a general way. I mean, that's not really arguable. Uh, people pretty much, you know, with the exception of individuals here and there, people pretty much can agree on the, the bigger, um, you know, um, analysis or demographic on on weight gain and obesity uh certain parts of america being worse than others so i mean you can't compare i mean there is differences there there are also differences which are connected to iodine uh dis uh i guess distribution you could say throughout the country different areas that have different propensities or um vegetation or um what is it, marsh, kind of, you know, healthy, kind of, they call it puff puff mud, pluff mud, you know, and then oysters, and there's other, like, climate markers that you, sentinels, I guess, that you could see where something has a certain amount of iodine, a certain amount of health, like oysters represent a certain health, too, to some degree, um, an abundance of them, um, but also in the vegetation, and you know, certain areas, you know, near the ocean, uh, not all oceans, like the Pacific has some, I think the Southern, Southern California doesn't have a high iodine. They actually go low in that area, which is, you know, but they're low compared to inland. Um, I mean, low compared to other uh, oceans. So it's still low, but it might be better than someone inland or whatever. Um, But and then, of course, you know, the mountainous regions, the, it can get worse um, getting away from, you know, going up into the altitude and further away from the, the sea or whatever it is. Or it doesn't always have to concern exactly the sea. The sea is one of the biggest factors, of course, but you can have certain types of marshes. And um, I'm not sure if like uh, swamplands in New Orleans count uh, as as I, I don't think they count. I think when we when we speak about marshes, there's a, there's almost a green element uh, there, um, <clears throat> and more of like a brackish water, but like um, it just has a totally different look. Like kind of like North Carolina. I mean, um, Charleston. Charleston's very marshy, but in a good sense. Um, like it has like a certain beauty to it when you when you go there, but, you know, if you've been down, it is mud, you know. Um, So that being said, 
we'll get back to this key word, the mystery word here, abezogen. I think that's how you probably say it in English, abezogen. <clears throat> so abezogens, um, which is pretty uh, stark as a term. So this is a term that they use for the word endocrine disrupting chemicals. So they're calling them abezogens. And that just in itself, should we just stop the podcast there? Because it's just pointing to exactly what's happening here. Now, one of the things that you should realize about the abezogens is that they're in everything. They're in a lot of things from the grocery store to, you know, different um, things you buy. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, any packaging, any kind of. I mean, even like packaging that you don't think is plastic, you know, it'll be like a carton, then that's got a plastic coating and then this, or then there'll be like a can, but then that's got plastic on the inside of the can. And so like pretty much all packaging. <laughs> and then on top of that, lots of other areas too, where, where the chemicals are leaching. So from BPA to BPS, which is less known, but still active, the phthalates, you also have, um, you know, a lot of the plasticizers, so people get into like this kind of like bioplastics where they're like, all oh, right, these are made from vegetal stuff. This is the best way to go. And in some senses, you would think that's true because, look, they're not made from petroleum. So you can't have some of these, you know, um, um, like deoxin and, 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 and heavy bisphenol and stuff like coming from that. But here's the problem is that the, the, the cheaper the plastic in some ways, or I guess the less mechanically, structurally powerful, I guess, the plastic, the more you have to use plasticizers or additives. And so those cheaper plastics or those more you know green plastics will also have another problem. Some of them may break down easier. There might be something there which can be nice for the environment. But what they break down into is also different. So we will give them some credit in some way. Um, they're green from like a production standpoint, possibly. And so that's why people tout them. But the dark side, once again, is that um, their plasticizers and additives are, are much, uh, there's a greater input on that. Like they're adding more of these uh, additives, of course, they have to, because that's how that works. That's how that, the lack of structure they're making up for with chemicals. And so then those chemicals leak um, and, you know, leach back into things as well. So that's not a way out. Uh, and there's a lot of plastics that are going that route. And they're like, yeah, we did it. We did it. We're making it through. We, but it's just like, it's just a name game, like it's just marketing. And so trying to help people move away from just a marketing thing and go back to, wait, why are we getting rid of glass? That should be your first question. And, you know, when the World Economic Forum or the UN, I think, comes out with uh, some sort of blanket statement that the, the world is it's running out of sand, like for me, my first thought is, oh, they're trying to stop glass. They're trying to like counterbalance glass to where glass no longer feels like a healthy thing. And you could say that is totally cons a conspiracy. But the reason it might not be a conspiracy is because it's impossible to run out of sand. Like unbelievably impossible. 
Like there's more there the the whole sand production in the entire world for to to provide for everything is probably found in the state of Arkansas or, or you know what I mean like it's a ridiculous proposition. It's just they're you know they're they're they're, they're trying to use certain sand that they're running out of and then say that we're out of sand. Uh, and that's where that whole argument when you take it apart is, is they're, they're trying to, to, to you know, sand, readily available sand is what they're calling it, um, like, and that they're using, you know, for certain applications uh, for like building homes and, and things like that, bricks, and there's certain, certain things that they're using maybe a certain area and then they're like, Hey, we're running out of sand because this area no longer has this, that, or the other. And then they extrapolate that onto the world. But the truth is every mountain range on down to the oceans and just everywhere else, there's sand everywhere and not just ocean sand, which is a certain type of sand. There's actual sandstone, you know, which can be used for bricks and, and all that stuff. And that's like every mountain range is just filled with this stuff. Um, and and so there's just a, a kind of a, a ridiculous proposition uh, there. And so, but it does sound good. It sounds good if you're in the plastic lobby and you're trying to make sure plastic it no longer has competition and we can move forward and finally push out all the healthy alternatives, then yeah, just make everyone believe, oh, you, glass, don't you know that we're running out of sand? How dare you? You know, it kind of puts a little shame piece on there, uh, which is ridiculous. So don't enter into that type of thinking. Um, study mineralogy or geology or in engineering and, and ask those people, hey, are we running out of sand? And they'll tell you, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So this type of thinking, this child type thinking, where we just, we think that something like that is happening, but, you know, the, the science is, is not at all on board with that. So, um, so these abezogens, here's the scary part is as they add into your fat cells, they're like lipophilic. So they kind of like attach to fat cells. And so, I mean, toxins do that too. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, toxins that are lipophilic too. So sometimes your fat cells pull those in and almost like dilute them through water through fat, you know, to try to make them less harmful to the rest of the tissues of the body. I mean, that can go all the way up to tumor genesis and cancer. But that fat tissue, imagine like these layers of fat, adipose tissue, where these abezogens have stapled themselves onto all of these fats. Well, so over a certain certain buildup, this tissue, it already kind of acts in itself um, as that tissue grows like just based on weight gain or obesity or whatever but especially with this added to it because this is creating which I'll explain later this is creating an, a hormonal effect it's not just calories people are like oh that's a, you know it's just all a calorie thing like uh, how much can you eat if you don't eat enough of it it's like no when it comes to plastics it's not a calorie thing it's actually a hormonal thing and it's even an epigenetic thing you know, this is triggering genetic on-off switches in the body. Like, okay, should we become sterile or not? Should we, you know, use other tissue? What should, what should the body do in order to, to stave off the danger that, that's happening here? What do we need to turn off or turn down or turn up? 
So you have that side, the genetic side, um, and typically that can be part of the weight gain experience is the genetics are trying to save the, the human. They're trying to like, okay, let's, let's, let's build this, let's make this person bigger and bigger, but then that way this has diluted these toxins or these things. And so we're, we're not going to harm the, 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 the brain as much. And we're going to keep this person safe until they can make it to some sort of safety, some Island somewhere without plastic where they can, you know, lose the weight and, and, the, and they're back to normal. So the body does do these adaptations uh, because it's very intelligent. Um, it will also do adaptations which are a little bit more cruel in the sense that, well, we'll turn off the fertility here and all this because we don't want to pass this on, right? And so then there will be a fertility problem uh, which is very connected to these plastics. Weight gain and sterility or fertility issues are very probably one of the two biggest features of this with the exception uh, – and then also, you know, like kind of gender, um, there's, a, there's a kind of, uh, what would you call it? Um, you know, you, you can mess with the gender and the hormonal um, gender side of the human being too, through too much input, uh, false estrogens, things like that. Like the body sees them as estrogens. Yes, that can, that can feminize a little bit the male or, you know, or it can pull away from the female's progesterone as well and, 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 and bring about a hyperestrogenic state too. Or sometimes the reverse happens where the body fights back on it and then the reverse, you get the reverse phenomenon. Um, so um, there is, um, uh, you know, the body's trying its best to get around it. So the obesogens, as they attach to the adipose layer, the layer becomes, um, it becomes, it already was, but it becomes even more so its own endocrine um, tissue. You know, we think of the endocrine as like these glands and like, you know, thyroid and like, you know, like, well, I mean, any, any gland, um, you know, from the adrenals or whatever, like, um, but the, but the adipose tissue, it becomes its own gland. So these things start to operate as glands. They start to operate in their own way because of the nature of how they, harboring these chemicals, start to release certain fractions and the bloodstream and the body gets into what I would call a threshold situation where a certain threshold of the hormone is hit daily. So this certain threshold, which you're trying to avoid, right? Uh, this threshold allows for all these genetic mutations and or adaptation strategies, etc., or weight gain, sterility, all this stuff. And so it acts as its own little entity at that point as these things get stapled into everything. And so this is not me that's like making this stuff up. This is from studies. Like I, I read studies on PubMed and I try to find, I guess you could say, a, a simple way of explaining it. I just, I read them and then I just kind of like try to figure out a way to explain it which which is not scientifically like over smart, but just trying to like get the core of it. You know, it's kind of like with AA, you know, on alcoholism, you know, that program was a genius because they just said, they, they explained it as an allergy, right? Like the person has an allergy to this thing and whenever they touch it, like all this stuff happens. And so 
you know, and, and the medical world at the time was like, these people are crazy. There's no, you know, but they were right. They actually got closer to the understanding of it and what its effects are on an alcoholic. And so they were not scientific per se, but if you give it enough time, the science will come back and back it up. But it's just they were ahead of the game. So sometimes you have to have a way of explaining things, which is just, um, which is deeper than just the back and forth of the intellect. Something where people can just feel it. And they're like, okay, wow, that, that tissue's moving in and of itself through that. That makes sense. You know, how much does it move and all the parameters? Well, you can look all the studies up. But like, so this thing is dangerous. This, this reality we've created and getting this stuff out of us is also key. Now, magnesium, um, I was reading another study recently. It's hard to find certain studies in certain little corners, yeah? But I did find, you know, that when people were contaminated with, uh, uh, it was a diester kind of, it was a type of phthalate. It was a type of plastic, but it could be vaporized. It could, I mean, this is in pure form. Imagine like BPA, but in pure form, like as a chemical. And so like if this got into the body, um, one of the ways that they could keep it from push it out was through magnesium to where it would not you know stay in the body and that was just a funny metaphor you could say okay it's like magnesium milk of magnesia it makes you go to the bathroom okay no you could follow that logic but it does get it out but at the same time what they're noticing by in athletes is that when they sweat they are of course they're bleeding out the magnesium when they sweat. It's coming out through the skin. and um, But they're also finding chemical compounds coming out, which is normal. There was a big study done on, on, on endocrine disruptors, one of the bigger ones, where they did, their conclusion was tra transpiration. Sweating was one of the key ways to get it out. And then avoidance, of course. And so, um, so and magnesium plays a key role in that because it's always there in the sweat, right? So what is it doing, right? And so we know that magnesium is a great detoxifier. We know that it can, you know, um, it was used during Roman times when they would create salt. Salt production creates a product called bittern as a side product, which is actually magnesium chloride. And they would use that to clean the water supply from cadmium to mercury to everything. So it does that in us too. And it also does the plastics. So it helps pull the plastics out through the transpiration. And there's even arguments that it pulls the cramp, you know, your cramps is like lactic acid and all this kind of stuff. And this is magnesium pulling that out too, right? So it's not just a, a pump, as, as they say in the muscles. It actually helps attach to things through chemicals, I mean, through enzyme chelated Enzyme chelation, enzyme-assisted chelation, and magnesium is the catalyzer of that. And so there's a whole like little master role that it plays, running around, get, telling everybody to do this, that, and the other. It's also embedded in all structure. So your nerves, your bones, all of these things, they have magnesium structure. And, and they may have a weaker structure if we were deficient for many years, which most of us have been. So then that structure has more inflammation and other things, not just, I mean, there's other deficiencies, but magnesium is a key, it's a core one because 
that deficiency can be enhanced over time, but you got to give it three or four years. You got to stick with it. And the problem with pills is if you stick with it for four or five years, you probably harm your kidneys. But if you can do it through the skin, well, then you don't harm anything. And you keep it coming and you have a high mag life cycle without any other issues. So yeah, you do have other deficiencies, so it doesn't cover everything. But anyway, I just wanted to put that out there because the obesogens, that is going to be the key word going forward for people. <laughs> because this whole thing about like, ah, oh, just go plastic with your magnesium. Everybody else is doing it. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, look, people buy Coke and plastic. It's not, we're done. It's cool. And it's like, no, we're not done. And it's not cool. And we're going to stay in glass. Because that's not, that's just contributing to something that's just more invisible now. But it's going to get more visible. So let's hope that we're waking up and not falling asleep. Anyway, come check us out at theheartoftradition.com for the best magnesium you can find in glass with only one ingredient, non-diluted, with actually verifiable Zechstein origins, unlike the American brands. All right, check us out. Thanks.